0: everyone. We'll kick this off uh, shortly. Just waiting for the panel to come up. I see a bunch of speakers already up. I want to do a quick market update. I know the goal was to to focus on GameFi today, but I want to get some of the analysts to come up to oh, – we've got a pretty sick panel when it comes to gaming. But I want to go through the market. I know we covered it yesterday. There hasn't been much happening today, but I know we closed a massive – green monthly candle since we got a, a few speakers from the gaming ecosystem from web3 gaming it'd be good to get an update when it comes to you know alts in general with a focus on gaming an update on vc funding as well you know we've got we got muhammad we got tyler from anamoka let's we'll see if Rand can jump in as well today's uh, scott could jump in as of next week he's back to normal Rand today i can't i don't know if i'm allowed to say why he's not on here uh, it's up to him to say he could jump in for a bit. Otherwise, he's also back in action on Monday. And uh, We'll get a few analysts up. Some of our regular speakers, regular analysts, so any other analysts are in the audience, do request to come up. Dave, it would be good to have you. Just go through the markets quickly before we dig into Web3 Gaming uh, to get a bit of a market update. I know you've been very active in our spaces for the last 48 hours. Uh, but I'm going through the agenda. Today has been a pretty quiet day. I just looked at the market before the space. But there's a few metrics. I think the ETF inflows have been doing really well. I'm not sure what they are today. And uh, we're not going to talk too much ETFs, but let me see the numbers today if I've got them. Hold on.
1: Uh,
0: since I've got no one here for the ETF, I'm going to do it myself. All right. So ETF inflows today are at, okay. Pretty. They're very low today. Hold on. Total net inflows into Bitcoin is only h- less than 100 million. So hundreds of millions over the last few days, which is okay. It's quieting down. Um, and then in net day net outflow. Okay. I think there is a, a typo here from the team. Because they're saying there's a, a single day net outflow from Grayscale of six hundred million, and the net inflows of ninety two million. I think they flipped them. I think the the Grayscale outflow would be ninety two million, and net inflows would be six hundred million. That would make more sense. Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. Because BlackRock ETFs at six hundred and three million inflows. Okay, so the numbers are uh, seem to be messed up. I'm gonna try to get the real number, the, the the proper numbers here. Uh, numbers. Uh, wrong 4.2. Um, but I think if we look at the entire week, of uh, fix ASAP. Well, right, I'm going to get the numbers from the team, but if we look at the entire week, the, the ETF and have been doing incredibly well. And I've got the numbers for the last few days with me and we open up on the agenda. So today's first of March, yesterday 29th. ETF inflows. We talked about it yesterday, but total bitcoin ETF trading volume hit a record, I think it was yes two days ago, a record of 7.5 billion dollars two days ago, which is two and a half times the previous record. Could kind of explain why the markets are pumping. Um, and then we've got uh, record breaking volumes. I think the volume two days ago was bigger than the first volume, the, the first day of launch, on the day of launch of the ETFs. We broke that record. Not by much, but we broke the record of the ETF's launch, which is just crazy to think of um net outflows at grayscale have been dropping as well and uh, the markets have been uh, have been responding accordingly and i talked about it yesterday we've got the biggest candle when it comes to biggest monthly candle in dollar terms i think it's at 20k uh, for this month last one last biggest one was in 2021 uh, i think the last three were in 2021 uh, 17.5, 13.5, and 12. This one is 20K. So in percentage terms is obviously not the biggest, but in dollar terms is by far the biggest. Um, and then we've got the um, – uh, another thing. Oh, okay, cool. We talked about it yesterday. i will kind of give the overview myself. Um, we talked about – yesterday and day before – about being in price discovery right now, and Dave was on stage explaining that for us. And I broke down the days – Uh, How many days we've spent in which price targets? Between the the, the price of 66 to 68K, we've only spent two days in that range. If you look at the price range of 64 to 66K, seven days, 62 to 64, ten 10 days. So anything above 60, Thousand uh, dollars. We've spent less than two months in that range, and Dave, uh, you know, explained it uh, two days ago in the space how we're already at price discovery, and that's why we're seeing that level of volatility. And the question that I had for Dave is, um, or I had it known for Raoul Paul yesterday. Maybe Dave could could uh, explain it a bit further. Is that, Dave? What I asked Raoul yesterday is, why are we seeing this level of volatility? with ETFs in the markets and institutions in the markets, considering retails either just getting into the markets uh, with Coinbase being down and Qcoin and other exchanges or not even entering the market yet. Um, yet we're already seeing crazy volatility. If you look at the price action two days that you covered it with us live.
2: Well, I mean, the answer is pretty simple, actually. Uh, the a couple days ago, when the inflows started coming in really big, it, the price started moving up and as my, I mean as Scott likes to say humans will do will do will be human and what ends up happening in crypto is people will start piling into leverage and for those who don't really understand what's happening is people will take 10 20 you know 20 to one or more leverage on these positions on the theory that okay it's a fixed supply these guys are going to send it to the moon well the reality is that's worth financial advisors or the financial advisors themselves will set limits. And so there's only so much on any individual day that they'll chase the price. But the D in crypto a couple days ago, basically said, ah, okay, so let's push the damn price up. And and, and the easiest way to understand it is it's like Wile e. Coyote chasing the roadrunner, you know, and all of a sudden he looks down and they're off the cliff <laughs> and then poof, look out below. And so now there's this air pocket that they pushed the price up and it was only speculators and they have no one to sell it to. And all of a sudden someone comes in and says, okay, great. They bomb the price down. They sell some. And now all these people start going into liquidation. And we saw something that we had never seen or not in a long time. Time. There was 700 million dollars, according to CoinGlass, of liquidations a couple of days ago. It was almost 50-50, evenly split. That's amazing. And so that that's what caused that volatility. I think what's also amazing, and people need to understand this, is uh, it happened in the context of month end. Once again, in crypto, no one cares, but in TradFi, people do care. And the result is the last, the, the second to last day, and last day of the month very, very often have more inflows. And
0: so, and the other thing that was talked is so one thing. Oh, you just dropped out. You're back, Dave. I know you're on the move. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I can hear you. I'm gonna. Oh, I'll okay, tell okay, you what. You're uh, back. Let me drop off. You're back off now. The- you. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll let you drop off and come back. Yeah. Uh, another thing that was uh, I probably asked Dave and ask uh, others um, uh, that will be on stage or anyone that's on stage, just you know, following the markets beyond gaming, <laughs> uh, and, and that's something that Zhu was talking about from Three Hours Capital. So Ryan interviewed him. You should check out the episode. I know he's someone that everyone loves to hate. But there's a lot to learn from everyone. He talks about how the halving, the halving cycle is probably going to lose importance, especially if, it, if, it, if history doesn't repeat itself this time around. Um, we could see having playing a smaller and smaller role when it comes to, to timing the cycles. Uh, but we'll talk about the, in, uh, about that in a bit, something we've covered heavily this week in my other shows is gaming. And, uh, uh, we've scheduled this show for a while now and web three gaming with obviously pixels and, and portal launching in the last couple of weeks, um, is finally seeing the interest in my opinion that it deserves. And Animoca is working on Mochaverse. And would you have Tyler and, and Mohammed from Animoca, guys, uh, can I give us an overview on the markets? I know you've, you, you, Tyler's first time on stage. Mohammed, you talked about it yesterday. We'll go with you, Tyler, first. Just give us an overview in general, the appetite when it comes to, uh, investor appetite when it comes to Web3 Gaming. Because Raul did say something interesting yesterday. He said gaming will probably take longer um, to get traction, just because games take longer to develop. But I it, it, hasn't it been long enough? Like Web3 Gaming was was, you know, kind of, carried the last rally, the last altcoin rally in the last bull market after the meta hype died down.
3: Tyler? Yeah. Yeah, Jim. Jim, Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so maybe I can describe a little bit about what we see from Animoca Lens and then I can talk a little bit about from Mochaverse Lens as well. Um, Animoca has been investing in quite a bit of GameFi projects since a long time ago and, well, long time as in um, I guess like two, three years ago as Game 5 Pickup. And um, actually starting from then, we see large gaming studios coming in, but it takes time to build, as you said, right? So um, I would say recently in this quarter, we see a lot of good game launches. Is Actually, those games have started building um, since one and a half to two years ago. And that's why you see that lag in terms of um, major game launches and um, in terms of the deal flow that we see right now, actually, there are a lot of massive appetite in, um, in gaming, not just from Animal Key Brands' perspective in terms of that capital appetite, but the broader investment and, and VC um, appetite is really, really strong for gaming right now. Um, and I would say, like, we'd we love to see basically Pixos um, and Portal um, getting massive success on, on Binance, and it's really great for the whole industry. Um, and we do believe like basically what we see in the pipeline, the token launches, um, is going to be a lot of them um, coming in, uh, by the end of this quarter um, and as well as early Q2 as well.
0: Yeah, and uh, the, the question I have for you, Mohammed, is um, there were a lot of complexities in the last bull market. And I think play to earn as a concept uh, got a lot of criticism. Um, including Axie, who we've had on stage a few days ago. Um, And that's because the model was very flawed. Um, We've also seen a lot of resistance when it comes to Web2 games, integrating NFTs, integrating blockchain into their ecosystem. Now, Portal, um, and I would love you to talk about Mochaverse as well, but something we talked about with Portal is that their strategy in onboarding Web2 games to Web3. And it's going to be a slow process where it's got to be seamless and players Got to get the benefits of decentralization without knowing that they're using NFTs or the technology behind NFTs. Um, so, Mohammed, we'd love to get your thoughts on how to bring Web2 to Web3 and the the the, the 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 image, the, the reputation of Web3 games. And maybe tell us more what you're doing at Anamoka from an investment perspective and in terms of Mockaverse, who we could become
1: investors in. Hey Mario, good to be on a space together again, yes, so much to, to, to unpack there. I guess we'll start off with, with Axie, is probably a good place to start, and the rise of, of play-to-earn. And fundamentally, sometimes what we forget is when the play-to-earn narrative was penned, there was never a play-to-earn narrative before, it was the first of its kind. Did anyone expect Axie to be as big as it got? I don't think so. And we forget Covid played a role. Um, with people not actually being able to work and having then shifting from, you can argue, slave labor work in Southeast Asia to playing games online, being able to earn more. That coupled in with the beginning of the bull cycle and the compounding effect we saw on price for Axie, and it blew up beyond anyone's expectations. Um, but what it really gave us was a blueprint as to the potential of gaming within Web3. Um, fast forward to Tyler's point where we are today, a lot of these games have been debated. Before, before sorry, sorry Mohammed, sorry. Sorry, interu- sorry
0: to interrupt you just before yeah, you okay. fast forward. Yeah. Just with Axie, can you give us an update? What happened with Axie? It, it was the sexiest token for, for months in the last bull market. And obviously, collapsed along with the rest of the market. They've been developing. Yeah. I, I remember getting some updates throughout the bear market. I think they launched a free-to-play game. I haven't been keeping track, even though we've had Alexander on stage, the co-founder, a few times. Can you give us a, just a latest update on Axie, what their focus is now?
1: So I've, I'm a bit rusty myself on the latest for Axie. We're actually are doing a research report on that. So next week, I'll have a bit more information. But fundamentally, it's the mindset change. or not the mindset change. There was a lot of learning. We knew where and this idea of a sustainable token economy within gaming wasn't an issue until it broke. And what we saw with the essentially the pyramid or the ponzi which I think is quite unfair to call Axie, um, but with the um, with the copycats that came afterwards, but it's the learning. It's how can we look back and reflect? And credit to the Axie team. They knew there were flaws, but we had to test the hypothesis. And as that hypothesis was tested, we saw the the rise of Ronin Chain, for example. And then we saw the rise of, well, Ronin Chain works for Axie. We have the free-to-play, like you said. What else can we be doing to grow the ecosystem because we know Axie is a special kind of game for Web3 gamers. It will not really on board the Web2 gamers for the fun aspect, but maybe for the earning aspect in lower-income populations where a few dollars a week is the difference between having a roof over your head or not. So there's been a big shift in focus around that, around the sustainability, making sure that the AXS token, SLP token is more sustainable, there's more sinks for that. And we'll probably see a rise of Axie again, maybe not to the same heights as last time, because we, we have much better quality games that have been released, but there, there will be a comeback. And we saw the launch of Pixels on Ronin as well. And it was insane that the valuation of Pixels was higher than the valuation of, of Ronin, which in theory shouldn't happen.
0: That the valuation of Pixels beat Ronin. What What do you make of that? So, so Pixels, which we're investors in, I think Animoca's investors in as well. We did their launch space um, about a week or two ago, and you know, big fan of the game, big fan of Luke and the rest of the team. But you, their market cap right now is more than Ronin.
1: It, it was It was at the highest point. I'm not sure. Yep, yeah, it was at the highest point. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah we can. We can. Sorry, just it, oh, it oh, is my... a bit of a lag. Okay, fair, fair ah, enough.
0: cool yeah, yeah. No, it's all good all good and, and we're obviously no all good, all good. and um, you know talking about the ecosystem now so if we're people are entering the market there's obviously people from the last bull market that are entering now um the answer for them for the question i'm about to ask will differ to the people that just entered the market now and weren't investors or weren't players of play to earn game or, or web3 games in the last bull market and of course you've got the people that have nothing to do with crypto maybe gamers that are not deep in the crypto space that are entering the market so my next question if you can tailor to those three categories what to look for now in a game and i'm probably going to sit there and listen as well we're, we're investors in many games we had like three launch this week alone and um, so i'm probably going to learn a few things there but what are some things you'd want you'd want um uh, listeners or investors and this is not financial advice this is even for gamers to get to get involved in the ecosystem what would you look for and muhammad and Tyler, that question for you and then we'll go back today for a quick market update before
1: going back to the panel so fundamentally for, for gaming, it's the persona of a Web 2 gamer is very different to the persona of, of a Web 3 gamer. So it's designing different loops or games, what we call it meta games, where the Web 2 gamer will come in for the actual fun of the game, for being part of a community within that game ecosystem, for the clout. Um, but then the Web 3 gamer will come in and they're playing a very different game. For them, it's all, or in most instances, it's about the ROI. It's about how can I buy an asset and as the value of the asset will increase over time, be it fungible or non-fungible, and be if it's I'm actively working to increase the value of this asset or I'm just riding the wave, the speculative nature of, of the space. So in general, it's, you're building two different mechanics for two very different audiences, but then over time, both of these will come together. And that's when we start to see adoption where Web2 gamers are just like, okay, I have this asset. Wait, this asset has value. I can trade this asset. How do I do that? And what we'll see is a motivation to want to learn more about Web3, as opposed to us being like NFTs, NFTs, in your face, NFTs, you need to download the MetaMask. This is all the friction points that you need to be able to get into the space. We've come such a long way in the last two or three years in abstracting away the technology. Gamers don't care about technology. Most of us in in Web2 do not care about the technology. We care about the experience and, and the front end application. So that really has to be the focus. And then it's just it's a learning journey after that based on a motivation versus an incentivization, if you like, for web two. Web three is quite the opposite.
0: Yeah, and, and Tyler, you just dropped out, just sent you an invite. Dave, I want to go back to you and sure if your connection is better now um, until Tyler's back up on stage. Um I was talking about the halving. I'm not sure if you heard what I said, Dave. But do you, do you expect the, say, the cycle to repeat itself in terms of the, the post-halving uh, bull market? And then the second one is, is comparing this bull market to previous bull markets. We asked that question a while earlier. Um, do you expect this to be a shorter bull market than the last one? And then I'll add one more question, Dave, so I'll give you the mic for a while. Is um, uh, what happens when when we see a massive correction? Uh, what if the if, yeah, 30% drawdown when it comes to Bitcoin? What happens with the ETFs then? Could that outflow of ETFs cascade this to a much bigger correction? Could we see that same fear when it comes to the ETFs, uh, uh, similar to what, what how retail reacts to a dump, um, or will it respond similar to gold ETFs,
2: where just investors will just put in their money and forget it? Well, there's a combination of both. Well, let's let's start with the cycles. I want to be really clear here. One of the things I have a, for those who don't know me, I spent, you know, basically. Uh, more than a decade running quant trading teams between Citi and Two Sigma. And when someone gives me three data points and tries to claim statistical significance, you know, every fiber of my being says, What the F are you talking about? So the entire cycle, it, which is monetary policy, uh, it, yes, it has had impact because it had impact. And maybe it's coincidence, maybe it's not. I'm not, I don't think there's enough data to conclude anything about it other than the fact that that when there's a supply shock there's a need for it to price to continue to go higher for miners to you know be able to supply that network and if you look at the size of the network it's obvious that the impact of ordinals and layer 2s and other things going on in the bitcoin ec- ecosystem are moving along with price because as i pointed out many times People keep saying, well, we're close to the all-time high, and if you take the all-time high and divide it by the, the total hash rate in the network or any other network metrics, we're not even sniffing the all-time high yet. So, you know, it really depends on how you look at cycles. I personally think this cycle, to the extent there is one, because there's a political business cycle, et cetera. Uh, I think that there is a difference now. Basically, we unlocked more than half of the world's investable assets and then provided the marketing departments of some of the biggest asset managers in the world at the same time to get toward Bitcoin. Why do I think that matters? It's a narrative shift. The whole point of Bitcoin is, will it gain adoption as an inflation hedge towards being digital gold? And the answer right now, probabilistically, I think most people on this space are listening. I don't know how many people are listening. I'll bet you we're at 80% of the people think that we're more than three quarters likely for that to happen, that Bitcoin will eventually gain that acceptance. But the market is pricing it at 10%. And so that's really a large amount of the people who are buying in the ETFs because, uh, right now. But the ETFs are also really good trading vehicles. They're way cheaper to trade than spot uh, for U.S. investors, for U.S. retail investors. You know, you're paying zero commission. It's a penny wide spread. And so, yes, that marginal buyer or seller, when there's a sell-off, will accelerate the price decline to an extent. But So, there's cross-currents. The short answer is, until we see large-scale adoption by major programs, and you've had Matt and others on uh, talking about this, and it is happening, uh, yeah, there's, there's certainly risk that if there was a major dump, it could accelerate. But having said that, look at the price action over the last few days. We had this massive run-up from 57 to 64. It retraced literally 50%. And, and typically in Bitcoin, when that happens in a day, it's going to reverse and start trending lower. But it hasn't. It's actually covered some of that to sit in a fairly non-volatile range between, you know, around 61. And so, you know, it, there's clearly a bid here. And that bid is, is relevant. So, you know, if you ask me, what do I think is going to happen in this cycle? I think that there's just limited supply. And I don't think at the same time, uh, the 70 to eighty, oh, seventy back. to 80% of the holders are going to sell at these prices uh, to that significant uh, increase. And you know, the halving itself, honestly, that's just the new supply. And if inflows are bigger than that, and that becomes much more likely, I do think that it will matter in the end, but it's not a straight line. And so you can't look at markets as a straight line, because in this point in the cycle, we would expect several weeks of consolidation of Bitcoin while, in fact, maybe drifting downwards as money moved into alts. And, and we're not really seeing that. And so, you know, it's not the same as previous cycles is really the point that I make.
0: The Other question I had, I'm not sure if Scott um, can speak. I know you're in Japan, so it's very late for you. But if you can speak, let me know. I'm just checking the group if you're speaking there. Um but one interesting thing you mentioned, Dave, is that generally when you have such a massive pump, again, I'm not a, a technical analyst, I'm not even a trader, um, so it's an interesting point that you mentioned. If Bitcoin pumps the way it did yesterday, uh, sorry, two days ago, and then and then there's a 50% drawdown afterwards, that usually signals a trend reversals. If you look at it, if you look at Bitcoin historically, and considering that it, that hasn't happened, if anything, Bitcoin's kind of uh, kind of caught up on some of that th- th- that, that drop indicates that the the likelihood of a, of a massive dump cascading into more dumps is lower than previously, uh, than, than you'd have previously
2: assumed. I, I would say, well, yes, the, your first point is exactly what I was trying to articulate probably when my phone cut, you know, someone called me, so I, you may have lost me. That was literally the point that I was making. It shows that there's still a bit uh, and a substantial one. So look, it, it, it doesn't, people need to understand that all investors are not willing to FOMO and chase price. They tend to the, the people who do that are the ones who go on leverage. And that was a point I was making earlier. Uh the leverage got extreme. Uh and right now when we look at leverage, and I'll look at it right now, we'll go in here here. So right now, uh leverage is still, you know, it's still higher than it was before this, this rally started, but it's about twenty percent lower than it was two days ago. Uh you know.
0: Okay, so hold on, but but Dave, I just thought so the figures I mentioned earlier that as they seem to be accurate. Um, okay, this is this is interesting. So, so there's a $600 million outflow from GBTC on the 29th yesterday, which is the second biggest, second largest outflow since the 11th of March, since the ETFs launched. Um, sorry, 11th of Jan. Um, does that, so is that linked to that massive uh, uh, that, that, that pump and then that, that volatility? No,
2: that 50% it, it, you but have to you understand what? there's a few things going on here. First of all, we know that there's still some more GBTC held as collateral against debt, and, and, and that could have been you know, a slug of that. Second, you have to understand what happens on the, on the last day of every month in for U.S.-based asset managers. If you're a U.S.-based asset manager and you're holding in your portfolio a, a, you know, a position, you have to be able ready to defend it. Uh, US asset manager who potentially on behalf of tax exempt funds, to the extent that there are any holding GBTC, even if you're a crypto manager, uh, people, the hedge funds are going to ask, why the hell are you doing this? And so they may have wanted, so there's people who would naturally want to sell that and rotate it into other assets uh, that are more defendable. So there's those two things. Uh, so it's not terribly surprising that we saw that at the end of the month, and it's, it's not terribly surprising that the market is much calmer today, being the first of the month, uh, but it's also a Friday. I, my personal thing is, my thesis is, you'll see more positive Bitcoin stories over the weekend, and therefore, you have two, remember, the markets are closed on Saturday and Sunday. You'll have two days of demand going into, sun, in, into Monday morning. And so if the markets stay around here, and who the hell knows, that's a huge if. Uh, you would expect to see more than okay. then. So it, it really is about your date dynamics. I know that it's, I'm having to remember the way it used to be for me because I've been in crypto for six years, but 35 years in TradFi, and I do remember this stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so just on, on a positive note, despite uh, the $600 million worth of outflows, uh, there's still a net inflow of $92 million. Um, so, so the day still closed in the green. And so far, total inflows um since uh, the etf's launch is 7.5 billion and um, which obviously beats all expectations and it's been what since 11th of of january and what are we now 29th of right. feb
2: and, 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 and keep in mind at, the consensus uh, was 15 month. billion for an entire year that that was where we where the consensus seemed to have been so and yeah. already for for and
0: already halfway
2: there Um, And it's been, what, a month and a half. So it's
0: well beyond expectations. So it kind of goes back to the market reacting the way it did. And kind of my next question is, this is the first time that Bitcoin broke uh, the four-year cycle, uh, the resistance before the halving. Does that mean anything? Is that just the ETF inflows uh, doing what to do? Well, is there more to it than that in terms of what happened? There there is more
2: to it than that. I mean – Look, you know, whether it's me or Mark Yusko or Michael Saylor or any one of a number of others, the narrative has changed. And and, and, and keep, keep in mind what, what it is you're investing in. And this is, by the way, this pitch, because my brother's a financial advisor and I've had this conversation with him. The market at 60 some odd thousand is basically saying there's a 10 percent probability that Bitcoin is 10 percent of gold. And if you believe that as the world goes more and more digital, that and by the way, when gold price goes up, lots more exploration happens, and the gold inflation rate actually increases. That does not happen with Bitcoin. Bitcoin. It doesn't matter what the Bitcoin price is. And someone said it this morning: people are not used to it. People who are speculating on gold when they think that monetary aggregates are going crazy and they want to hedge, they know that if the gold price shot to three thousand, there'd be a ton of investment in mining, and the inflation rate in gold will go from one point eight percent or given or thereabouts, probably to three or four percent. So you get the you know so that matters and so I think the narrative has changed. Now that doesn't necessarily mean anything for the rest of crypto, but I do think that that kind of asymmetric upside narrative is why people are buying. Now, why that matters, Mario, is if that's the dominant reason people are buying, that are those are uh, longer term kinds of bets, and people are going to ignore the squiggles. They're not leveraged, they're longer term, and they're less likely to pile out in a downturn. Unless there's a story such as U.S. government bans Bitcoin or something like that. Elizabeth Warren gets her way, that kind of crap. So it does matter. So it is different.
0: Yeah, and, and Matthew Highland did put out a tweet as well that we could also – there's just a lot of history being made. We could also close for the first time ever a seventh monthly green candle. This is the first time ever we've closed six consecutive uh, green monthly candles. Uh, the, the first one was November 2012 till April 2013. The second one, second one was October 2020 till March 2021. So it's the beginning of, of – uh, so it didn't happen in – okay, it didn't happen uh, in, in the, the 2018 bull market. So it happened in 2012, happened in 2020, end of 2020, and it's happening today, which – if i interpret it correctly just indicates things are extremely bullish and this could be uh, this is likely the beginning of a, of a massive bull market but if we hit a seventh monthly green candle like is there ever a level dave where you're like all right things are too frothy even at this stage the beginning of a bull market even if we haven't broken all-time highs yet uh, could we could you look at all these metrics and say all right, and and obviously the the open interest and say all right things are too frothy there's no way it was very unlikely we're going to continue reaching all-time highs without some sort of correction well
2: i mean the Couple of couple of facts. I mean, James Lavish. I was looking for the tweet. Posted something about the S and P that this is literally the longest rally we've had without a more than two percent correction uh, ever. And so we're kind of in a weird, a weird place. The other thing that he posts, which I which I love, is the expansion of the national U.S. national debt and the debt of the the basically the G twenty. Uh, it is the same. When you look at that as a backdrop, understand that people will say, well, Bitcoin is not a good hedge against that because it hasn't done it. Well, it hasn't done it because it hasn't been adopted yet. So, yeah, I mean, the, there's more likelihood, and this is, this is dumb. I'm not going to defend this behavior, but this is something that market technicians will tell you is true. In traditional markets, there are, the frothiness is generally measured in short-term periods. So four, five, ten, you know, six percent a day, three percent in a day. Yeah, you know, stringing twenty of those days in a row—that could happen. We saw that in 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 two thousand in tech stocks. We saw that. The difference was that was based upon cash flows that never materialized. And so the the skeptics would say, well, you know, this company could never grow into that. Look at what it would require. But in Bitcoin, virtually eighty percent of the holders, if not more. Say well, Bitcoin's going to grow into digital gold. So what are you talking about? It's gotten ahead of itself. So there's a difference in terms of the the naysayers. The naysayers in Bitcoin all think it's worth nothing, and and that's that's very different than when you look at at frothiness in the way it, you know when any fundamental metric and it does matter.
0: Well, we'll go open up to the panel. We'll go to Ryan, then the rest mm-hmm. of the panel. I'm seeing comments asking about. Um, how to best get exposure to the gaming narrative and, and Web3 games? And for example, there's a question here: Should you should you hold AVAX rather than hold game specific tokens? Uh, so before going to the questions from the audience, and you can put them in the bottom right corner. Um, Dave, I had a, a the, the last question I had for you is uh, the rotation. I know you've talked about this in previous spaces. I don't think we've talked about it on Crypto Town Hall. How long and how aggressive do you do you expect that rotation to be from Bitcoin to altcoins or you know, history may not repeat itself there. This is a Bitcoin-led rally. There's Bitcoin ETFs. There is no ETH ETF, um, spot ETF.
2: So we may not see the same
0: rotation we've previously seen.
2: I think that the more Bitcoin does well, crypto assets with use cases that capture people's imaginations will do incredibly, will do better because it's new money for two reasons. First, crypto natives will have made money and can redeploy capital. And they, you know, and of course the maxis will say, yeah, you know, you should be stacking sats, yada yada yada. Others will say, well, you got to be opportunistic. The truth is, people get wealthy and they spend more. Uh, But I do think that there there are two narratives, and you harp on them all the time. One is AI, and the other is gaming. Both are real. If it shows reality, uh, money will follow. And the thing that it's doing is it's bringing more eyeballs to the space. Bitcoin will be a gateway drug. It was for me. It was for a lot of others. Uh, I personally think Bitcoin is singular when it comes to store of value. But I think that there are many, many other use cases. And this panel is one of them. And you have lots of great panels to describe why. But now you have a lot more people who will be listening to this narrative. do
0: you stand on these two narratives? AI is obviously a lot newer and just gaining... It just makes me feel, uh, Suzu said that, it just makes him feel like it's a 2017 type rally where, and, and t- similar to the Meta rally, where anything that has AI in it suddenly pumps. Um, and it's, we're too early from use cases yet. We just started talking about it a few months ago. And Web3 Gaming, which obviously we've been talking about it for a lot longer, but it's just had its ups and downs, ups and downs. So where do you stand on these two narratives? And then we'll go to the panel. Uh and you can be, you can be yeah, honest, My honest, my I honest answer
2: say is, a, look, I, I've actually said it on the panel. I think the WorldCoin, for example, just because it's, it's Altman's coin, that rally is absolutely insane. Uh, and I think there are lots of insane rallies. That said, there is 100% a need for uh, decentralized LLMs and validation, decentralized validation of LLMs. We've seen that. And there's never – it. look, what we saw with Gemini, it should be a massive – uh, point to to builders, and I think there are probably a lot of builders out there, and some of them are going to come up with things that are going to be worth an enormous amount of money. But just like the internet bubble, I have no, I'm not an expert, and I don't want to try to guess which ones are going to survive. And which ones are the ones that are going to going win from the internet bubble when we looked at it i mean amazon survived and thrived a few other companies did well but google hadn't even ipo yet it was still you know whatever and facebook was still just a glint and depending on who you who you listen to someone's eyes in college in, in harvard dorm rooms so the the, the truth is that there's a lot there. There might be projects that you've invested in that are going to be the ones. I just don't know. You know, in terms of gaming, look, gaming is all about UI, UX, and experience. You know, when, that, when that's solved, there are a lot of people out there. Uh, these are the best, biggest games are all um, MMOs are all, all multi multiplayers and therefore having a community is a big deal for a game. And to the extent that you can make that model work, it will work eventually, but you got to get the technology has to catch up. And once again, I am so not an expert in knowing which ones will be there.
0: I would love your thoughts. And I see your hand up uh, and you can comment on the markets in general as well. Um, and then obviously start honing in on gaming.
4: You know, Dave raised some really good points and I think that the cycle is very different. You have the Bitcoin ETFs, you have Bitcoin ordinals, you have fungible tokens, runes, um, and you even have L2s being built by these giants like Marathon. And this really suggests that outflows, especially to alts, will be very different this cycle. And I'm excited to see it. I've been a Bitcoin miner since you know, 2017, deployed about 32 megawatts of miners. On the topic of, of gaming and gaming tokens, I do believe specific crypto tokens are for those who are ready to do their research and and find the true diamonds. And that's where the biggest gains will be made. But you have AVAX, Ronin, IMX, and those, these core coins, the the L1s are for safer exposure. I I would never sleep on the main hub, like whether it's AVAX or Solana with its high throughput, which is perfect for games. And you see huge, huge titles like Star Atlas, BR1, Aurora, Honeyland, and then you have these other coins like Bonk that are rolling out titles as well. It's exciting.
0: Earlier, uh, we'd love your thoughts on, on what's been discussed so far and, and the previous question I had is, is what actually it's, it's this this particular point, how to get exposure to the gaming market and how's Animoca? What's Animoca's strategy this time around? How does it differ from the last bull market?
3: Yeah, maybe I can jump in here. Sorry, I was it um, a little bit. Twitter just rocked me. Um, but yeah, so Animoca has been investing in about 450 plus companies, and more than half of them are actually gaming companies. And we've been talking about investing in a lot of these companies, but Mocaverse is really the play to finally have a product layer to integrate and busy grow that network effect and being able to cross-pollinate, uh, cross-pollinate users Utilities, resources across the whole network with the public infrastructure that we're building here with accounts, Dresden wallet, with digital identity, on chain reputation system, and on chain point system. And surrounding basically um, is going, if you think about it, we're building an economy with multiple um, platforms and projects. And on top of hundreds of companies, Mokiverse is actually building that meta layer and that network layer. It's almost, almost similar to building an L1 or L2 chain in a way without really um, becoming like a nation state. Uh, like these games need to launch on our chain and stuff like that. But really we're Playing that chain and role in the industry and um, to maximize that network effects um, by, and, and that focus on distribution and growth. And MoCofers uh, do not only focus on gaming, but we also have um, a massive network of Web2 consumer apps and consumer products um, partnerships that will be onboarding um, tens or even hundreds of millions of users into Web3 through the digital identity and onboarding and cross-pollinating users. Um, and speaking of that, would be music products, could be sports products and so on that can tap into a massive fan base. And um, gaming is a way to actually formulate that economy. And um, I would say game one game itself has its own economy. And um, Mocha versus MetaLayer is an economy of multiple economies and being able it's to actually, share that network effect, yeah. Is it, would you say that like
0: MochaVerse uh, would finally allow one of the biggest use cases of Web3 games, and that's interoperability among different games? Would would you allow for that to finally happen, and how long would that take? I just want yeah, you, maybe so, you can explain. Maybe you can explain to the audience what that interoperability looks like. Like when you own an asset in the physical world, you can move it from one country to another. Um, you can move your identity from one country to another. Um, in Web3 games, you don't have that level of interoperability. It is very complex to achieve as well. Games are struggling to build their own token economies, let alone a token economy that integrates with another 10 other token economies. Um, so maybe you can touch on that as well, Tyler.
3: Yeah, so a lot of the games actually experimented, not only games, but platforms also experimented with the um, gaming character being interoperable. But in my opinion, I think we are too early for that right now. I think the most interoperable layer right now is the base layer, which is the user identity that can be interoperable across multiple platforms, and um, and that's regardless of chains as well. So if you, if you look at our integration with Pixos, Pixos is on Ronin, and we have other games that we have signed already that is on Immutable, Polygon, Arbitrum, and so on, and Solana as well. So right now, the users are being bounded actually by the chain, and there's friction to move from chain to chain. And But from a user perspective, that shouldn't be the case because the user actually played the game. They do not play the chain, right? So really having that identity, identity layer that is interoperable across Multiple platforms, multiple games, and able to carry that reputation, that point system, and able to be token-gated by multiple games is going to be very powerful. And, um, and we are going to play the role okay. to onboard the web to users through digital identity and going to cross-pollinate those across the whole network. To, to ask the same
0: question to other panelists, and then we've got a lot of data from VJ that we'll share uh, later, and, and Roger is deep in the Web 2 gaming ecosystem, so i we'll to get his thoughts on this. But Maturce and JTV, um, if I want to ask you that same question, for investors in the market, not financial advice as always, but if they're looking to get exposure to this narrative, um, what would you say is the best strategy?
5: The best strategy for Web 2 individuals to get into Web 3?
0: Uh, okay, so you can split it into three buckets. You've got obviously the crypto um, investors or gamers that want to get exposure. Well, Let's focus on investors here. They want to get exposure to the narrative. Uh, you've got Web2 investors or gamers that want to get exposure. And then you've got your average Joe that usually follows me, comes into my spaces, listening about the war here or, or Silicon Valley Bank that's interested in the ecosystem. So you can maybe kind of touch on all three buckets.
5: Okay. Yeah, so for I- – the way that products are generally come to the market is you have entrepreneurs, obviously, and then the investors come after that um, then from there, as investors come in and try to help um, kind of build the build the product and then uh, figure out a way that other users will even want to use it so the investors come first and then you're gonna have that following of people that are more just trying to touch the water basically and curious gamers are just like, okay, what is this? Um, or maybe people who've had a bad experience. I'm I'm a native runescape player played that for a long, long time. Uh, the asset ownership side makes a ton of sense to me. And I think it does a lot of people there. Um, so uh, exposure, I mean, for, for people looking at it, they should do their research. That's such an obvious answer, but a lot of people don't. And I actually go try the game. I have people that JTV. Yeah, go I, I, ahead.
0: Sorry, I, I'll only do your research, and, and then I'll go to to my Muhammad on that particular point after you're done. But on doing your research, what do you research? Like understanding a token economy, understanding ver- value accrual across different digital assets. I just don't see even experienced investors. Um, even gamers to be able to determine how that value will accrue, when us VCs struggle to kind of answer that question, disagree between each other.
5: Yeah, I, I get that. That that's for sure. Uh, I mean, when I when I look at these games, I, I first off I want to know what the game is like, which a lot of games aren't there. Wait for one, uh, but for those that are, go play it. See if it's fun. Is it intuitive? Is it basic enough that other people will even be interested in trying it? Um, I wouldn't so much focus on, okay, I can play this right now and maybe make a couple hundred dollars because that is going to go away very quickly as more people kind of do that. So riding the hype there is is definitely not the route. But I think experience the product more so than the tokenomics themselves, although that's really important because if they're bad, they'll run it straight into the ground, even if it is a good game.
0: So a so question I have for you, JTV, very briefly, and we'll go to Mohammed and Matos. Uh, any specific games with, with obviously relevant disclosures uh, that you'd recommend for people to look at, either gamers or investors? Again, not financial advice. It's your personal opinion, which games you like, which games you think are there. Because one of the biggest arguments against Web3 Gaming is it's very far from, being, from having that same level of mm-hmm. gameplay as Web2 games. Right. Um, so uh, a game that we're
5: working on, is is an mmo style just for lack of time um inspired by runescape and i definitely would recommend trying it out and see what you think um it is live and available on a public alpha stage which means we're just in testing periods um but i I would say that i mean shrapnel's been doing really good um I, i i think that we can learn a lot from how they've been doing their, their gaming. And I think that they've captured a, a lot of fun in it. I've watched friends of mine stream it, and they seem to genuinely be having a good time. And I think that that's a really, really positive outcome.
0: I'm sorry for the background noise. Mohammed. same question for you. So, so JTV, other than the game you're building... Um, uh, which called, I think called Exodus Goodbye World. Which I'm not an investor; I don't know the game. Um, another game you recommended is Shrapnel, who I think we're investors, and in. I know we've had them on the show a few times. Muhammad, any specifics? Maybe you can answer the first question: is what to look for, or how, get, how to get exposure, and then any specific uh, games that are interesting to you, Muhammad, with obviously the relevant disclosures and matters afterwards.
1: Again, none of this is financial advice. It, it's fundamentally we all like. Types of games so finding a game that you enjoy if it's a first-person shooter if it's an mmorpg if it's casual or hyper casual and then actually testing out the game seeing if this is something you enjoy sharing it with friends seeing if it's something they enjoy because really what what makes games successful are the network effects around games and this is in the conventional sense not in the web 3 sense and we mentioned runescape like world of warcraft some, some of the the earlier games that really had. I mean, Eve online, another one as well, that really had those network effects and have, have stood the test of time. But we asked about research and from an investment standpoint for, for Web3. And it's we look at metrics, we look at who else has invested, we look at founders and, and previous experiences, the founders and exits maybe they've they've had. So it, it's a mix. There is no exact cookie-cutter standpoint towards what will be successful. The approach we're taking, given we have such a vast portfolio, is every new game, every new token economy is a hypothesis. Let's see what's, and we take into account what's previously worked, what hasn't worked, where the market was at, where the technology was at, because there's so many different moving parts that to get something that hits all the criteria is very challenging. Um, And especially in when we talk about Web3, I mean, speculation is about 80%, utility is about 20%. So it's looking at all of these again moving parts together but coming that into games so we have phantom galaxies for example and phantom galaxies have, have but just released kind of
0: for anyone muhammad for anyone yeah. for anyone doesn't know i just want to jump in so you are the the head of tokenomics at anamoka and tyler is the head of projects at anamoka and is building the mocaverse it's kind of for anyone listening that we do have the, the moca so when when muhammad says we he's referring to anamoka brands um, which are obviously leading the charge when it comes to web3 gaming so what was the first one you mentioned sorry
1: so the, the first one was Phantom Galaxies. So again, it's it's AAA standard. Um, the, the game was released, at least the beta version was released on on Epic. We have if you're if you're into racing or drifting we have talk drift 2, which recently was released on Epic as well. And again, there, it's the focus on the gameplay itself is web 2. and then the web 3 inputs are like a layer abstracted away in terms of that splitting how the web 2 users engage and how the web 3 users engage. We have Grapes, which has been developed by Viker Studios. They have a, a raft of hyper-casual games. Pixels, obviously, is, is one of the hot ones right now. We've mentioned Shrapnel. We've mentioned for Fukana in terms of first-person shooters. So there's, there's loads of games that are out, and there's a lot more games that are coming out. And it's fundamentally something that you enjoy, do, you enjoy playing. But also, in terms of getting exposure, for some of these projects, in general, it's an NFT-first approach. And it's maybe getting exposure to the NFT, exposure to the community, seeing, what is this a community that I resonate with? Is it a community that I can vibe with? And then when we talk about network effects in Web3, that's really what a fungible token allows. It's for more users to be able to come in. And a great example we've seen of that maybe in the last cycle was ApeCoin. And we saw how Yuga with the board apes and then the serums to give us mutants and then the kennels, and then it was ApeCoin. It was an ongoing process of expanding the ecosystem because there were the positive network effects around that. Meme coins, meme for some reason, seem to have viral network effects where people will buy into a narrative. If it's Doge, if it's Shiba Inu. So finding some makes sense, a narrative you believe in, um, and then actually adding value. If I'm going to be a holder, if you like, I'm just buying because I think this is going to 10x or 100x. Um, again not financial advice probably not the best strategy but if you were going to be involved and actually add value that's where we get the, the positive network effects that's where we get that growth or that meaningful growth for what to happened value.
0: what happened with yeah. the Ape Coin and Ape World uh, uh, Yuga's uh, gaming ecosystem. I haven't been keeping track. I don't hold any ape. Uh, I'm a punk guy, but I know apes are were, we're the number one uh, NFT in terms of floor price, and they've dropped significantly. Is that just a representation of their ecosystem, just too having just too many things going on, um, or are they doing well? Do they have any users? Has it launched? I haven't been keeping track at all.
1: No, I mean specific to that. I think it was just a reflection of the market because they. You can argue they were the biggest project in the previous cycle. And as the market dwindled and we saw liquidity being taken out, it affected everyone. And Ape was no different to that. Whereas they've been building, if it's with the other side, if it's a different games that are coming out soon, we've seen Dookie Dash being relaunched as well as, as a great way to engage. So it's it takes time to build good games, but the network is there. I almost say the network, which is the user base, the community is there. And when you think of a user base like ape just within the nft holders across maybe the the main two or three collections you have 10 20 maybe 20 20 20 to twenty five thousand different holders across boards mutants um and other side land the other deeds sorry so imagine having a use tens of thousands that you can then take with you from one game ecosystem to another game ecosystem which and i'll touch on mochaverse very quickly We've had over seven hundred. We we have over seven hundred thousand unique ID holders. So all of a sudden, you have a vast army unity that you can then take with you into different game ecosystems, not just games, into different ecosystems, and where people feel that they resonate to something, they will stay around. They will stick around to that. And naturally, if something has attention, people are talking about it. It correlates to the price of the assets within that ecosystem.
0: Yeah, Mateo, someone asked you that same question that I asked earlier to Muhammad, is uh, getting exposure to the narrative. And, and the question I haven't asked is, are we just too early? Are we still too early? We were too early in the last bull market, you know, games, anything that had play to earn and it started pumping, similar to how anything had meta and it uh, anything to do with the metaverse was pumping in the last bull market. Um, now that we're getting traction again, I've never seen a narrative pump more than once. And correct me if I'm wrong, anyone, pump more than once just based on hype. So it usually gets a lot of hype pumps like crazy then it crashes and then it starts growing based on utility based on use cases um so do you would you say similar to royal palace is is you know games do take a long time and this narrative will take longer than others or do you think it's been long enough and games are launching is good games out there with good gameplay well, I'll ask uh, mateos and then roger that same question
6: yeah i i think that first first of all thank you for having me here it's a pleasure to be here mario and I, I think that last bull cycle, we had a lot of Ponzi schemes like that was called itself games, but was not games. And right now, we have a lot of games that raised a lot of money two, three years ago and build good products that are coming to the market in a way that can attract a lot of users from Web2. And for me, investing into games, I think that the best way is to look at the growth potential. And for for that, I always try to understand what is the best narrative. into. And right now, I think the best narrative mm. is play-to-a-drop uh, AI stuff into games. Mm. Uh... Okay, I
0: just... I hate, I hate whenever you squeeze a lot of uh, uh, terms together. So I don't know what play to earn gaming with AI. Roger, I want to ask you that same question as I just asked uh, Mateos. Uh, any, any, are we are we too early in your opinion?
6: Yeah, so, you know, I work with – uh, Roger, with I'm not sure of, any, okay,
0: Dave or, or JTV or anyone, can, we, can you hear Roger? Can, just a can mic? you guys can, hear me? You can hear him. Um, uh, Roger, I'd love to hear your answer. Um, so I'm going to bring you down and back up, um, uh, so I can actually hear think, what he's saying.
1: I think Mario, Mario, we can we can hear Roger. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just yeah, it's like it yeah,
0: all good. It's oh, a okay. it's a common glitch. I've just brought him down and sent him an invite to come back up. Uh, I'd love now? to get Takuya's thoughts and VJ. Uh, just give actually VJ, look. Okay, Roger's back up. That was quick. Sorry about hey, that. you're good, man. Yeah, go ahead, man.
6: Yeah, so that's good. Yeah, so I work with a lot of game studios now, and I'm always up front with what I say. Like, are we too early? It's possible, right? A lot of games were too early in the past. That could be you know, where it is today. Look at Hell Divers 2. Hell Divers 2 was put on the back end and look, it's one of the biggest games right now. Right. And it, so, you know, you think about it, it's all about timing. Right. But it's also about how these studios operate and the community they build. So, yes, I said this on the other space on the last one I was with you guys in five years, one percent of these games that we're seeing today will survive. One percent. It's not a big number. Most of them won't be here, and that's a reality we have to face, but it's up to these studios to continue to build these communities so that doesn't happen. So um, to be honest, yeah, some are too early. Some are at the right spot. But, yeah, it's, it, you have to do your research, and like you said, how do you do that? It's tough. You know, you got to be on the socials. You got to be following certain people, individuals, because it is also pumps. People are talking about it, and when people talk, people start buying. It's just how it is right now. So you just have to watch.
0: Any, any, any specific games. Roger, any specific games you can mention with, obviously, relevant disclosures?
6: Specific games in what sense? That have potential?
0: If they have potential that are doing well, that the gameplay makes sense, yeah, I, yeah, I actually wrote down the list mean, that I,
6: Muhammad mentioned. You mentioned one of the partners here, Sharp no They're doing great things, right? I think they messed up talking about how people game them the other day. You never want to tell people how you get gamed, right? You never want to tell people how to cheat you. So I, I thought that was kind of – but they're doing great things. BR1 is doing the play to earn per kill. I think that's very interesting for a long-term ecosystem play. You know, you got play play to earn. Sorry, sorry, sorry
0: play to earn per kill. So it's actually you earn as you kill. Yeah,
6: so you pay you pay to you pay to enter the game, and then each kill you get, you earn a dollar. So if you so, oh, so it costs one dollar to enter, and every kill you get, you earn one dollar. So Ryan's actually the CEO and founder of that. Um, he has a lot of insight to those things, which is why he's so into the tokenomic side, because the, what they're implementing will change how Web3 operates inside competitive gaming.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, Ryan, I'd love to talk to you off, off the space um, and, and maybe getting involved. Uh, sounds really cool. Um, let's. I want to go to to uh, Roger. Any other other games you want to mention before we go to Yeah, you to got VJ, Star Heroes. that are building
6: numbers. a great thing. Neon Heroes, who has a big people from Amazon and other stuff like that. So I mean, you have a lot of games right now with a lot of big people pushing it. So listen, a lot of games have the right people behind them, like you said. We just have to hope if they're just not too early because the right people are there. They're pushing the right narrative. So you know, a lot of games like I just said, and then you know. the it was a great game. The trailer was What's amazing. it called? So we'll what, see how that operates and how they go. So, what, yeah, a few of those games, these shooters. You know, I just want to mention one. I want to mention one thing.
0: What was the last one you mentioned called? And then uh, are you, and maybe just a quick disclosure, are you invested or working with any of those games or marketing them?
6: you think? Roger? No, I'm not invested or working with any of the games I just mentioned. Correct. Okay, cool. I
0: appreciate it. What was the last one you mentioned called? Are you taking notes here? After after the one after Ryan's game, you mentioned the game, the last one.
6: Oh, the last. Um, I, it was co- um, co- conflict. Sorry, I have it right here. Oh, conflict. I, I don't know. Is it Citizen Conflict? Citizen Conflict, correct. Yes. Yeah, we yeah, 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 we're we're invested. Yeah, yeah, we're invested in that so one. We did their I saw well. that trailer. I learned a lot about them. They look really good. You know, ah, the cool. people behind them are very interesting as well. So. You know, I've seen a lot of games like that. And I just want to mention too like, you know, you've seen Dr. Dr Disrespect, you know, launch what he has with, you know, the, um, you know, the, the the studio that he's building and there's not a lot of noise there. So I think that's something to pay attention to, right? Why haven't we seen too much noise from them over there? Is are they delaying? Are they waiting? I think it's interesting to see what type of play they're doing too because they have the biggest creator behind them that could get them every user they want. So it'd be interesting to see how they operate.
0: Yeah, Vijay, I want to go through some of the numbers. I know you you mentioned that in the previous space, kind of to wrap up the show is we've discussed, uh, I've asked a question, sorry, that are we too early? Uh, Do the numbers show otherwise?
7: Uh, Definitely not. Uh, We were early in the last cycle, but uh, if you look at this cycle, uh, the numbers have have tremendously grown. And uh, one thing that uh, I I repeated earlier, uh, people need to realize that gaming, takes time and effort to build right you cannot build a game overnight and then if you look at all the massive fundings that happened last cycle uh, they, those teams have delivered they started delivering right look at strapnell look, look at all these conflict uh, games and and uh, there are there are so many others that are doing really well so now is the time that uh, people have uh, realized that they want to uh, Put forth the focus on gaming rather than uh, telling which chains. right? One of the other uh, speakers earlier echoed that same sentiment. Uh, because at the end of the day, I, I don't care if I am playing on Solana or, or uh, Avalanche or Polkadot. I, as a gamer, I would obviously love the gaming aspect of it. So, once people focus on that, obviously that, that gets massive, that gets bigger. And then we from bitcrunch lens, we are actually seeing that. We are seeing the numbers spike up, numbers picking it, uh, picking it up across chains. That's the beauty right now. now we have NFTs getting traded, getting minted, almost free of cost. In the last cycle, there was Ethereum, which was obviously on the massive chains, and, and there was Solana. But then now look at look around. We have optimism, Zora, base, Uh, and Avalanche subnets. And then so many uh, NFT-focused chains are also coming up. Burnt is a chain that is NFT-focused. So now that the bandwidth is spread, uh, we can expect more games. And and, and obviously, uh, three-digit fundings that have happened in recent times with Eigenlayer or or similar other projects is a testimony to VCs open up for massive fundings. And and gaming definitely requires big funding rounds. And uh, I'm 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 really excited uh, from a data lens. I'm already seeing a lot of numbers, so looking forward to the next uh, set of cycles cool, and games. Yeah. Yeah, Vijay,
0: maybe you can send me off, offline. Just some. I know we've mentioned too many games, but any interesting games where the numbers are looking good, um, I'd be, I'd be very grateful. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I, th- I think we've covered the ecosystem really well. I, I love Dave's. Uh, you know jumping in and giving us a market overview as well and um, we'll be back on Monday um, we'll be covering narratives I'm not sure what we'll do next week I'll check with ran and Scott ran and Scott will both be back Monday as well and um, we'll, we'll we'll probably cover the markets as always cover the news and just dig into different narratives now that we're in the midst of a bull market uh, it was a great discussion really appreciate it I think it was gaming week this week anyone in the audience let us know on, on your thoughts on on you know web 3 gaming but more importantly what narratives we should cover next also go through the audience I didn't do it too much Today, just to come up with some questions and recommendations for the panel. A lot of the questions I ask, sometimes I don't give you guys credit in the in the in the comments. I get it from you guys, so I appreciate the good questions. But otherwise, great space. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. If there's breaking news or Bitcoin bumps or dumps, me and probably Dave will be there in an urgent space. Thanks a lot, everyone. Have a wonderful uh, weekend. Bye.